<laughs> I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna uh just take that sound bit of you right there. And every time we do this, there it is right there. I'm just gonna save it on my laptop and just I'll insert it at the top of every show. Uh, so we don't have to do this thing anymore. So as you all know, I feel like this is a quarterly episode on the basement. Uh, Chris, Chris Crantit and I just literally talk about what we've been watching and we go on for like a, you know, hour, hour and a half, two hours, nine hours. We can't do that now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You have a child. You can't yeah, talk for that long. Yeah. We, we just put her, we just put her down, put her to sleep. She's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was fucked. That's fucked up. Um. So anyway, let's. Um. It's been a few months. It's been since the holidays. Some stuff has come out. Award season has hit. I do have one on my list that was a oh, Oscar award team. season hit. All right. Yeah. Do, all right. Do you have anything you want to say in this matter? It hasn't been talked about. It's going to be a few weeks since it aired. But what, what's your take on the Will Smith Chris Rock fiasco? uh that it was exactly that a fiasco <laughs> like fucking <laughs> uh just to see like how did he even just walk up on stage like that like nobody stopped him and then he just smacks a guy and walks away <laughs> you know so like, i guess it's understandable that like you get upset but just to go that far like, yeah <laughs> that all this stuff talking about the yeah, you talk, you see all those videos talking about like, uh, you know, he was laughing at the joke. So it's like, what did Jada say to him in that moment? Yeah. <laughs> um, my take on it, uh, I'll just be brief and then we can jump in. But uh, I haven't been able to talk about this on the show. And I feel like only with people I know, I'll talk about shit like this on the show. But I don't know. Yeah. I, like, I remember I didn't watch the Oscars, by the way. I, 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 the yeah. past two I years, I saw it on the news the next morning. Yeah, I woke up at six a.m. and I was like, "What the fuck is this photo of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock?" And I was like, "Oh, he actually <laughs> slapped Chris Rock." <laughs> and I watched the video, and like, it sent chills down my spine because, like, I don't know, my opinion like changed throughout the day because, like, I woke up and I was just like, "You know what? Good for Will Smith for sticking up for his wife." All right, good, good for you. Yeah. Like, you know, you want to throw Chris Rock? I get it. He's a comedian. Like, you know. <laughs> But maybe he didn't know about Jada's condition. I don't know. But um, I don't know anything about anything. Like everybody's dissecting this, like it's the fucking Kennedy assassination. And but like I don't know anything about what's going on between them. I don't know. I don't even really care yeah. to be honest. But like I was, at first, I was just kind of like good for him for sticking up for his wife. But then I was just like, hey, I don't know. He took it too far, you know. <laughs> like, like that's that's something we're gonna remember the rest of our lives. The night Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I, I I wouldn't have gone about it that way. I would have you know if I'm a celebrity, I'm gonna after the award show pull him off to the side and be like, uh, hey man, like here's what's going on with Jada. And I don't yeah. know. I know I know his marriage has been like under a microscope the past few years since the entanglement yeah. thing and their open marriage rumors. Um, yeah, that's not really any of my business. I don't really give a shit. Um, but like when he like snapped and yelled, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Like that just sounded yeah. like a man who's just had enough. Like he's just had enough. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's a, that's my take on it. I don't know why we started <laughs> the show like that. Let's jump into what we've been watching. <laughs> I mean, that's that is you. part of that's what we've been you. watching. You fucking right? made the joke. Like, 
<laughs> All right. My bad. <laughs> We're going to start with something you and I have both been watching, a couple things, actually. And one of them, the first season has ended, but has been picked up for a season two. Uh, let's talk about Peacemaker on HBO Max, the uh, the James Gunn showrun John Cena, good God! Like I, I'm so happy John Cena. John Cena has an amazing acting yeah. career now because of this. Like he deserves this fucking praise. Um, what's your take on Peacemaker? Uh, my take is that that show is like bonkers in every way. You know, just completely deserves its R rating, but also just like. You know, it's like it was one of the funniest like comedies that also had like a lot of like heart in it and um, mm-hmm. legit like good moments of drama with the uh, you know the the things that they had going on throughout the season. You know, like the different twists that they had in each episode. Nice. All right. Yeah. No. I um. It's been a while since it ended, so like it's not fresh in my brain. But I I never have seen a show where when you get the option to skip the intro, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. what the I fuck remember, was that? Yeah. I remember before I even watched the episode, you messaged me asking if I had seen it yet. And uh, that seeing that intro specifically, and uh, you even mentioned that too. And I was just like, all right. So I watched the first couple episodes and was just like, yeah, never skipped it once. Like, <laughs> Even like after, I think like the last couple episodes, it was like it ended on a dramatic note or like kicked off the next episode on a pretty kind of somber dramatic note, maybe. Yeah. And like, no, I, I needed like, nope, I still watched the whole thing. Didn't really laugh during it, but like, I was like, nah, this is for anybody who hasn't seen Peacemaker. Um, I almost say Pacemaker every time, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it just has this really interesting dance number by the cast and they're doing it straight faced and it's kind of robotic. Um, Robert Patrick is like kind of humping air at one point when they cut to him <laughs> dancing. It's just really good. But, you know, the show as a whole, like I like the fact that, you know, they're doing this thing with, you know, I'm aware of Peacemaker and the comics and then the universe and everything. But like, you know, he's not he's not Batman. He's not Superman. He's not Wonder Woman. You know, he's not he's but he's like he's a pretty interesting character. And I think that's a cool thing to do just to kind of take a a character that's not at the forefront of DC and really give him his due and kind of put it into today's world with like problems. And, you know, he's clearly has a very complicated dynamic with his father, played by Robert Patrick, um, who I think is great in it, too. Like it's kind of a good story of father and son at odds and like how you deal with like how, how you would deal with that especially if your dad's yeah. like a like white supremacist bigot basically it seems and you're not <laughs> yeah yeah like he's trying to rise above what his father you know made him into and like the you know all the things that he you mm-hmm. know instilled in him as he raised him and shit like yeah it's pretty intense while also having you know just some bonkers like you know moments where you just there's you know like the all the random factoids you know heavy quotes on the factoids that uh 
peace, peacemaker. I almost called him pacemaker. Damn. Damn it. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, all the random facts that peacemaker quotes off about uh, the Justice League saying like, you know, Aquaman fucks fish. And this uh, is like all these <laughs> random things that he says about them. And like, oh, uh, Wonder Woman was giving me fuck me eyes or some shit at a party. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's just there, there's cool tie-ins and it's so james gunn like he doesn't direct yeah. every episode but it's he he's the showrunner right he around wrote it. Them all, I think, right? yeah he wrote them all so it, it's very much james gunn throughout the entire yeah. series he's like able to pepper in all these random dc easter eggs throughout yeah. you know like Batmite, and you know it's like you know <laughs> i don't think i remember thinking about Batmite since like I, don't know, I think he showed up in an animated thing once yeah there's there's also like really fun like the the team peacemaker has to work with um there's those guys are so many fucking great characters there one mm. of them the i again it's been a while but the the, the bearded guy who who peacemaker basically like makes fun of for dying his beard yeah. or something yeah die beard <laughs> yeah die beard and there's this the very first time he ranks on him it's in the first episode like they're in his trailer and he's just ranking on him about like oh you definitely dye your beard i can tell and the line <laughs> delivery that that actor does when all he's doing is going no i'm not and he leaves like it's so yeah. spot on like how he's definitely caught in a lie <laughs> Yeah, he's just trying to get away from the situation. Yeah, it's a great. So let me change the subject. Yeah, <laughs> he just like laughs and then just like walks out the door. There's just yeah. so many great. I don't know. It's just a great little. Uh... But but also the way that like that's a joke that's peppered in throughout pretty much the entire season, and then in that last episode they actually give that moment like that die beard moment a chance to come back around and like they explain the emotional you know reasons for it and like all these different you know but it's also set in a situation where he's got to like pretend that he's something he's not so it's just like yeah just the way that that like emotional payoff on that joke and you see like how it actually affected him because you know jokes that are being made at people's expense like you know they can play it off as like it's not really bothering them until you actually see that it's bothering them yeah yeah, no, I mean, not to bring it back around to that Will Smith thing, but like it being picked on and shit, like eventually it getting to you, like it, that could potentially, you know, be that whole same thing. Like, if you know, you pretend that it doesn't bother you until eventually it does. It's definitely a great show. And um, if you haven't caught it, it's eight episodes on HBO Max. Check it out. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's jump ahead now to another show you've been watching. I've you've you're further along than I am, and it's been out for like almost like 10 years, I think. I don't know. Yeah, um, I think it was like 2012 or something when it came out. Yeah, and I, I guess the entire series is on a different streaming platform, and only Netflix has one season, and I'm only watching mm-hmm. season one right now, and it's Attack on Titan. Yeah. <laughs> uh so you're a little further along, so just why don't you have the floor here on it? I, I I've definitely been meaning to watch it for a long time. A lot of friends have told me about it. It's anime. Um it's yeah. it's 
it's a new it's like i think i really remember it being like the big new anime thing in this new generation of how anime looks and whatnot over the past 10 years but you have the yeah floor. it was it was the big one that was like even if you hadn't heard about anime you'd heard about this um but yeah so they have uh i've been watching you know i started same thing as you i watched the first season on netflix and uh then when I realized that there were more seasons on, um, I, I've been watching the rest on Funimation, uh, caught up to, um, I'm on the fourth season, which is the final season. And uh, I actually caught up to the uh, the dub releases. You know, like they've, I guess they have this whole thing where the, the dub episodes, they only come out on Sundays, at, like late in the day or something, because it's a whole, they, they, they air on Toonami. On, uh, oh, so, okay. Yeah, so um, that's how you, you know, once they air on that day, then you can actually watch it on uh, Funimation, you know. But um, yeah, you know, it's just been like a really, really intense show, <laughs> as you know, from that first season. It's, it is like, you could think of this show in a way as like, um, uh, like Game of Thrones, uh, you know, with like the political intrigue and just the amount of, main characters dying uh yeah you know in the first just, 10 episodes yeah like you know it, the, there's moments in the the first few episodes where like you know you think that um some character is going to be a bigger part of it and then they they're just gone you know and mm. it's like and that happens throughout the entire series like you know you just you never know who's gonna be going down and yeah it's it's really intense and and the uh but it's also got like so much going on with like the the mystery of everything you know the way they set up like you know these people who are living in the wall you know if if you don't know the show it's about um people who live in these walls on this island and uh outside the walls are these things called titans which are these like giants that eat people you know and they they don't do it because they like need the food or anything. They like, they even, you know, they don't digest the human. They just, it's like a thing that they do. Like they're, it, they're almost like zombies where they have, they're mm -hmm. like drawn, like a need to eat people, which, you know, again, it's, it's like, it's really unsettling <laughs> when you, <laughs> the way they animate these things running at people and, and, you know, just, grabbing them and eating them like you know it's it's all those stories of like you know jack and the beanstalk or you know you know, like stuff like that we are kind of reminiscent of and just yeah all these it seems like it draws from all these different source materials to make this just insane show but it's also like it's probably the least anime like as far as like the uh anime cliches go you know like all the things that animes do you know where you know like the uplifting like you know funny moments and stuff like that like this this show has very little in terms of moments that are like <laughs> yeah i feel good about that <laughs> things are getting better <laughs> yeah no more giants <laughs> yeah or like you know funny little like lighthearted moments that are animated to like completely different than the rest of the show like yeah no this, this show is just like it's very serious and like these people are like the last of humanity and they're you know fighting to keep humanity alive and like 
just all these like it but the things that they do is like where no matter how many times they lose like they're just the the way that they're so determined to survive and like and and be a beacon a beacon for humanity it's just like it's that's where that like uplifting moments kind of come from like you know like no matter how much loss they face they still persevere through it and come out the other side like Mm -hmm. it has a a really good message in that way i feel yeah no it's i can't speak to like the the full-on plot i'm only like almost done with season one and i I don't know if i'll be able to track it down past that or i don't know but um uh but okay it's uh it's definitely like extreme it like everybody's yelling at each other everybody's crying everybody's dying like it's just so um I don't know. I really can't put it into words, but I, I started watching it like six, seven years ago when it first popped up on Netflix. And I only got like an episode or two in and I don't know what happened. So I, this was kind of almost a revisit for me because I've been watching actually a lot of anime. I don't have a lot of anime on my list today, but I don't know. It's like anime just kind of sometimes stimulates my mind a little bit. I, I just I yeah. love watching. I love going into anime blind and attack on titan i've been aware of for so long and i know there's a live action one they made in japan yeah um, i've never seen it i'd love to see it um i think this just kind of fuels my love for giant monsters even though these giant monsters look like human beings with no genitalia <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah you're right there's so many just unsettling moments of what the fuck is going to happen <laughs> And just I, I like this world in the show gives me so much anxiety. Like I'm not fucking living in this kind of world. Yeah. I'm not happy with this world right now. Why would I want to live in something like that though? But yeah. <laughs> I will continue to keep watching it um, and get back to you further on that. But it's, it's definitely a good show. I, this is the show has been talked about probably a lot on many other podcasts for forums or blogs whatever for the last eight ten years but it's my first time with it it's i I love it it's pretty cool it's pretty cool yeah yeah it's got a lot going on and like the way that um that mystery unfolds throughout the seasons like finding out you know the the mystery of the titans and like the little bits of information you get throughout you know Mm -hmm. it, it really gets to be like mind-blowing while also having some of these you know fights in it that are just like you know like you see some of these fights that legitimately had like had a reaction coming out of me where i was just sitting there like you know fucking laughing and you know like because of how cool i found some of these moments and like you know the the thing that anime does where it like calls back to moments previously in the show where you learn something and then like using that to your full advantage and it's like yeah it's like it does moments like that really well Mm. all right all right so that's two that we've shared uh i'm gonna give you the floor what what do you got um well one i want to go over well a couple i want to go over real quick but um i i did i don't know if you watched it but uh book of boba fett was uh out since the last time we did this yeah I, uh, I, i watched it very early on yeah yeah so yeah i don't know what you thought um a lot of people you know it's been getting a lot of like mixed reactions from people um 
I I enjoyed a lot of it. There's certain aspects that weren't weren't great, but I also I felt like that was a show that kind of ended up suffering a little bit because of the whole COVID shutdown and everything. Like, you know, I heard that uh, I think Mandalorian season three was supposed to be airing around the same time, and um, which might have been in a uh, one of the reasons why you had like a couple episodes that were pretty Mandalorian heavy. Um, you know, because like there was like a couple episodes where people were just like, "No, this show has become the the Mandalorian season two point five or something." <laughs> Basically, like the last three episodes, yeah, yeah. Which it's understandable, but yeah, I I still I, you know I really enjoyed like the things that they did in it and uh, the setup. I mean, obviously, it felt like there was a lot of choices that they made that were kind of out of necessity, but uh, still, you know, I I did enjoy you know overall a lot of the things that happened in that you know i mean <laughs> we ended up getting to see Boba fett riding a rancor you yeah know. <laughs> that was dope no i yeah. i definitely i i'm not one of the naysayers about it i enjoyed it like i think i'm more of a fan of the mandalorian but mm-hmm. i remember sitting there watching it going like was this affected by? i didn't really look into it but i was like was this affected by covid like like it, it yeah. must have been because I was like, there's no way they'd lit it because there's some stuff in it that dragged for me, like where yeah. I just felt like, ah, this is just kind of a chore now to watch this. But yeah, I'd say like in the middle, like by episode like three or four, I was like, oh, no, is this for me? But I feel like, yeah, the last three episodes where they get the plot going to the climax and the climax, I think, is really good um yeah. the, the villain they bring in and it's it just I, it's just a testament that star wars is basically a western in space like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a spaghetti yeah. western with lasers but i love i, I yeah. definitely enjoyed it I, i'm more of a mandalorian fan i think and you know there's other things i like more than it but i'm, I'm i don't i wouldn't call myself a naysayer of it yeah yeah, yeah, it it definitely had a, a lot going on in it that were you know both good and bad, but overall you know I I really in like uh, enjoyed the uh, directions that it took you know especially with like finding out a lot more about those the Tuscan Raiders you know like there that I thought that stuff was really interesting I thought you know mm-hmm. getting to find a lot more of their lore and, yeah uh, that was a cool setup yeah. yeah and then there was that moment where it was like oh are we at the racetrack from episode one yeah that was cool (laughs) yeah that episode was had so many moments where just like callbacks yeah that was cool i didn't hate it though (laughs) all right what was your other one real quick uh next uh one that i wanted to talk about real quick that i had watched uh was um marvel's the punisher uh was originally on netflix and now it's moved to disney plus but uh I did watch it when it was still on Netflix. Um, I, I finished it up like the week before it uh, it left there. Um, just because at that point they hadn't announced if those shows were going to be moving over there or not. So they were just, all that was said was that they were going to be off Netflix. So I just wanted to watch them. And um, yeah, you know, I watched first and second season and uh yeah, and now I see why people were so into uh, John Bernthal as the Punisher, and like yeah. he should show up in the movies. You know, like he was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that that show was really intense. Uh, I I really enjoyed the uh, 
the second season uh more than this the first one i felt you know just there's some stuff. yeah yeah because i I, 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 I didn't was, i liked the first one i thought the second one was okay but yeah. it, it's fine yeah i um i don't know i i really enjoyed like the that aspect of the second season where he was you know protecting this that girl that uh randomly showed up you know at the place that he was hiding out in and just like yeah just having to you know protect her you know like (laughs) it's uh you know and all the people around him as he's going through this you know like slowly figuring out like who he is until you know at least through the first half of that season you know just you know especially when it culminated in that uh episode in the um in the, the police station in that like rural town where yeah. uh, I don't know if you remember that episode. I, that was one of my favorite episodes. You know, just this this small you know town police station getting you know assaulted by uh, you know it was very like assault on precinct thirteen. Yeah, that's what know, I like, thought too. Yeah, a good siege movie. Yeah, yeah, like the cops are you know having to turn to you know this guy that they locked up and uh, like <laughs> they had the the girl didn't know anything about him. She was just thinking that he'd like you know kidnapped her or whatever and like not really explaining much just kind of like you know keeping her protected but also like keeping her locked up just to make sure she didn't run and just yeah eventually all these people that are hunting her down you know come to the police station you know like, yeah it, it was very uh very cool and um i mean the second half of the season like yeah i didn't enjoy it as much that first half where like like the whole mystery behind him and like event, you know, people slowly figuring out who he is and, and uh, yeah, and just, but uh, it definitely had a lot of really cool moments in it and throughout the season, um, throughout both seasons, really. One thing I liked about season one is it's not an origin story. Like he's been around yeah. and then it just like, as a, it, I thought the pilot was such a good beat for beat like way of bringing him back into being the punisher. Yeah. I thought that was a really yeah. good pilot. Yeah. I really, I really, uh, I really like that where he's like doing that construction job. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the fucking coworkers didn't know who he was until it's like, until they had to know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, I'm done fucking around. <laughs> yeah. My turn now. I got two that are on opposite side of the spectrum of films that, uh, just that they're on opposite sides of the film spectrum. Uh, the first one is one I it's fresh in my head. I just watched it. Well, I watched it in parts. I like started it Friday night, fell asleep, and that's not a testament to the movie. But yeah. and then I finished it's it. A uh, testament yes. to parenthood. <laughs> it's yeah, like <laughs> um, it's it's well. I mean, I I'd fall asleep during movies before I had a kid, but uh it's just getting older now but um then i finished it saturday morning and this is a was a big uh, award season hit uh it's on netflix um won a lot of awards just picked up best director at the academy award jane campion uh power of the dog on netflix um Mm -hmm. if you don't know what it is uh i'll tell you what it is but um i'll tell the audience i think you probably are aware of it maybe i don't know are you uh, yeah, I've heard of it. I uh, I didn't watch it yet, but um, I, I did hear a bunch about it and that it was you know one of the award contenders. Yeah, it's um, I guess it like did good at the Golden Globes. Like it got the uh, fucking. It doesn't really matter. It did good at the Golden Globes, but. <laughs> 
Uh, but so it's a Western takes place in Montana that um, oddly enough, Montana can, or New Zealand can double as Montana. I guess they shot this in New Zealand uh, most oh, likely yeah. shot during the pandemic and whatnot. I would assume, I don't know if that's for facts, but it is a, forgive me. I'm kind of looking at some notes here, but this stars Benedict Cumberbatch uh, who is awesome in it. I'm surprised he didn't really pick up any sort of award. Maybe he did. I, I know he didn't win anything at the Oscars, but uh, Jesse Plemons who oddly enough, man, I was watching this and some of his facial expressions remind me of you. <laughs> like, like, he just like made faces where i was like oh, it's chris man like i don't know something about him um moving on now uh just to see that yeah i don't know he just like had some smirks where i was just like ah, i know that guy um, <laughs> and then kirsten dunst who's in this and mm. honestly huge credit i gotta give her a lot of the praise in the world and what she's done in his but yeah what she's done with her career. Like, yeah. you know, we're going to talk early two thousands movies in a little bit. Like, you know, she's an icon in the cheerleading genre with bring it on. Uh, obviously <laughs> the original, not the original, but the, well, I guess the original theatrical Mary Jane in the Spider-Man yeah. movies. Um, yeah, and then she just kind of disappeared for a while and stopped acting. And I guess she just stepped away. I don't know what personal reasons, I'm sure there's information about that, but yeah, she's coming back. The first thing I first thing I really saw her in um, in the last few years was that uh, second season of Fargo. Yeah, like, she, which she was actually she was in with Jesse Plemons, which may have been where they met because now they are a couple in real life. I guess. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> they're they together. That. Yeah, they um yeah, they played a married couple in that show. So they play a married couple in power of the dog as well. I'm seeing a pattern here, uh, <laughs> but, but so she just is really, I've re-energized her career and has taken on, taken on some like really more serious dramatic roles. She was in a show on Showtime, which I identify with in Florida um, mm -hmm. on becoming a God in central Florida, which only lasted one season, but she plays this like, kind of poor white trash like woman living in like in the central florida area and like she gets involved in like a pyramid scheme and i thought the show was pretty i thought the show was pretty good like i thought it hit some good beats but i think it picked up for a second season but um it's pretty much that there's other there's one more cast member who's very pivotal it's a uh, cody smith mcphee who plays yeah. kirsten dunce's son in it and um I mean that's that that's pretty much just the main cast. It says Paul Dana Dano's in it. I don't know where the fuck he was in the movie. I don't know if that's a screw up on Google's part, but um, pretty much the, the the overview plot of the movie is pretty simple. But I feel like there's just a lot underneath the surface. It's um, Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons are two brothers. Oddly enough, they don't really look alike, so I don't know if they're like full blooded brothers but they run a ranch mm -hmm. in Montana and Benedict Cumberbatch is a fucking asshole in this the entire movie. Yeah. He's, he's just, he's just mean, crude, disrespectful. Like he runs kind of the, he runs the ranch with his brothers, but his brother, I feel like is more of the business savvy guy. And he is more of the cowboy. He, he works with all the animals and he's just such a mean spirited guy. Just, 
it, yeah, it, it all kind of seemed like that from a couple of trailers that I saw. He was like, yeah. that was the tone I got from his character. Um, he he definitely. So he comes. Um, where am I going here? So there's a scene in the beginning where they go and like have breakfast or lunch at this you know little bed and breakfast restaurant thing that's run by Kirsten Dunst and her son, and him and his cowboy friends are just awful to them. Just disrespectful she's a widow we find out which leads to jesse plemons developing a relationship with her and marrying her and then eventually they move to their ranch which creates this rift between them and here's my take on the movie i i didn't i didn't necessarily i want to watch it again to see if i missed a lot of things but i didn't necessarily not like it but i didn't necessarily like like it because like I, I don't know what it was trying to convey to me there's definitely a lot of these tense moments between the characters um but it all kind of culminates with kirsten dunce's son who you're aware of and i don't know if they were in the first act pointing out that he's maybe homosexual or something there's kind of these things that the other cowboys on the ranch make fun of him for um mm-hmm. You know, they call him like fairy boy and stuff and just just all these like, you know, slurs and whatnot. But um, we start to learn more about him by the third act. And he seems like quite the little psychopath. <laughs> and and it, it kind of gets dark in the third act. And I, I don't know what kind of message it was trying to leave with its audience because it didn't resonate that much with me. But um yeah like i'm not gonna give it away i'll let you see it if you want it's a western i know you know our generation is a little skeptical about westerns but by the mm-hmm. third act it, it starts to get very uh suspenseful and yeah. it's just an interesting blend of genres and characters and again i don't know if i loved it but i definitely didn't hate it so it, it was a cool yeah. oscar it was, it was definitely an oscar contender movie like I, these kind of movies yeah. show up at the oscars all the time so that's power of the dog my next one um, is, like I said, on the total opposite side of the spectrum. I missed it when it was in theaters, but it is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I relived my teenage years by watching Jackass Forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I haven't watched that one yet. I need to uh, I either need to get Paramount Plus or wait until it's on VOD. Yeah, it's um, it's it's fucking good. Like. I mean, obviously yeah. there was the stuff in the headlines like Bam Margera wasn't going to be in it, which I like Bam. Like he was definitely one of the favorites, but I guess there's been like an issue with him. I know he had to go to rehab and whatnot, but I guess he's been yeah. beefing with Johnny Knoxville and stuff like that. And so he's not in it. Um, they bring in some other members of the crew that you've never heard of. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, once I started seeing that, I remember watching it and I was just like, is this because they're getting old? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> like they can't do these things now. So they have to bring in like five more like 20 year old guys to come in and do stupid shit. And I was like, that, that's probably why. And you know what? That that sucks, but that's life. <laughs> like Johnny Knoxville can't do what he did 20 years ago. Like, I, and I don't want him to like, yeah. Um, he will put himself in the hospital permanently. <laughs> put himself in the morgue. Like, yeah. but, 
So like a lot of the guys like Steve-O's in it and Steve-O definitely looks a little older. Like Steve-O does a few crazy things, but I can tell like he's just kind of there for screen time. Um, yeah. Preston, Wee Man, uh, Chris Pontius is just, you know, he's, he's kind of just there. Um, Danger Aaron still does some fucked up shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. like there's just one uh, bit where he, and he's done stuff like this before, but he just is, he's testing a jock strap out and he's getting like kicked in the, he gets like kicked in the balls by like the UFC heavyweight champion at the time when they were filming it. And then he's getting like yeah. fucking punched in the dick by like this like fucking this like kickbox this female kickboxer from like thailand and then something else happens i think there's another test they do and he like takes the jock strap off and like he split his balls open like they, they show it <laughs> there is so, yeah there is so much uh full frontal male nudity in this movie that that trumps the other three one crazy thing Steve-O does do is they're at like a honeybee farm. Not a honey. No, I think it's like, no, because they sting them. And um, they literally just put a stack of bees like, and they just all attach onto his prick. And then, you know, he gets stung all over his, his, his thing. But um, look, it's, it's jackass. You're getting what you think you're getting. There's a couple of celebrity appearances. Eric Andre is in it, which is always cool. I, I fucking think he's hilarious. Uh, I forget who else off the top of my head, but um, Rob Deerdeck, who I hadn't seen in anything in a while, besides those yeah. that MTV show, uh, he shows up in yeah. it. It's it made me want to go back and rewatch the show, which I think maybe Paramount Plus has, but I know the yeah, first I three. If they have, uh, yeah, because they, they have like MTV's inventory, I think so. Yeah. Um, the first three jackasses are on there also, and it's just crazy to see how far it's come, like from the very yeah. first one to yeah, very low budget. Uh, yeah, it's like it still feels like it's cable access channel shit, and yeah, like it. It still felt very like like they were getting away with something where like I don't even know if they had permits to film in some of the places they filmed in. Yeah, <laughs> but no, um. No, it was a lot of fun. I felt like a teenager again. Uh, yeah, I'd say my personal favorite one was probably Jackass 2, but whatever. Mm -hmm. It's all good. Um, yeah. All right, you're up, man. All right. So my uh, next one that I got was a movie that I watched um, just uh, you a know, while ago with uh, – uh, you know, watched it with my brother and his girlfriend, you know, my parents. You know, we all – we were looking for something to watch one night and um yeah i picked this one uh it's called fast color uh, i don't know if you've heard of it at all no um yeah uh this is a movie uh it's um it's like kind of an indie you know it's not very uh not very big movie uh you know very few people in it um okay i'm looking it up right now yeah it stars uh gugu and batha ra um Goo -goo. yeah she's uh she's been yeah <laughs> she's been popping up in a bunch of stuff over the last few years uh most recently like she was in um she was in that first season of loki you know she was that one of the uh the uh time uh people there <clears throat> um 
she also i think she just did some other show recently on bbc um yeah she, uh, she did she's on some thing on hbo max it's like a murder mystery yeah, and she was also what i really i uh, saw her in um what it was like my introduction to her was a uh, season one of the morning show on apple when i had apple yeah yeah <laughs> so uh the show it's a uh it's one that's about um she plays this uh woman who has these like abilities you know she was born with um it's it's a thing that's uh passed down through the the woman uh, women in her family um basically it's like you know it's almost like a telekinesis kind of thing um you know that you know uh that they can do where they can move things and they can like it's kind of un defined because the movie it's it's not as much about that. like it is a little bit but it's more about the the relationship that these you know these women have um you know her uh you know the main character played by gugu who's uh you know she's like the daughter um then her mother uh and um trying to look up who let's see I'm trying to find the uh yeah Lorraine Toussaint uh she plays her mother um yeah she's been in a few things I've seen lately uh and then uh she also had a has a daughter um that you know we find out you know also has that ability and uh so you know the movie starts where um Gugu is she's running from somebody you don't know who or what uh, is going on you, you know it starts off in a frantic and uh and uh eventually you know she gets to you know her um her her mother's house you know and meets up with her mother and you know seeing her her child for the first time in years who she gave up because uh you know, she she had her child at a, a point in her life where she was um, like he- heavily into drugs and uh, you know doing these things. Like she was basically getting into heavy drug use because it helped like with her her powers. It like helped kind of make them go away. You know, like you know because her powers were very like tough to deal with. Um, They're a lot stronger than her mother's, and like they couldn't really figure it out. Um, but yeah, she just got heavily into drug use and, you know, had a kid with somebody she didn't even remember and, you know, eventually like kind of cleans up her act. But in the process of cleaning up her act, her, her powers came back and like, you know, they have this whole thing where, you know, like the, the baby could have died in one of her episodes when her powers kind of came through. So um, that's why she gave up the kid. And yeah, the movie, it's very, uh, it's very like touching you know like the the story where you're getting to know these three women and the relationship they have with each other and you know the um the development of like how their powers work and like the you know you know what that means for each of them and um while also having these people who are looking for them who are like you know from the government or whatever they don't really define who they are they just you just know that they they know about these like these powers that this woman has and they want to try to do something with them so um yeah it's it's a very like it's very uh interesting low budget movie that was like you know uh it, it had a lot going on you know more than just like oh cool superpowers like you know <laughs> <laughs> 
No, that's yeah, cool. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's uh, it was definitely something that's worth watching. Uh, I think when I looked it up, I saw it's on Netflix right now, so you yeah. can uh, you can watch it very easily. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. All right, no, I'll look into it. Um, yeah, no cool superpowers. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so my next one is a. 10 episode series it's season three uh that fx does every couple years i guess you could you could argue they're anthologies maybe i don't know they're based on true stories though um the american crime story um series that they do over on fx and season three i was hyped for because it was about the bill clinton monica Lewinsky scandal and (laughs) i don't have i don't have cable anymore um and then but i heard this was airing back in like September and I thought it was like next day on Hulu because Hulu's got like a deal with FX or something but I guess yeah. it wasn't to that extent and so I had to wait and then literally when we got back from or did I start watching it before my wife gave birth I don't remember but literally the first week of parenthood parenthood was whenever my daughter goes to sleep I would watch an episode of this or I would try to get an episode of this. Cause it, like, this was my show while I was home for a couple weeks. Um, yeah. And like, this is uh, so it's the, the show, this season's called impeachment American crime story. And it's, you know, like I just, everything I just said, it is about the uh, Bill Clinton scandal of the late nineties where he was, uh, you know, um, screwing around in the oval office, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> this is this always has a these shows always have a great cast i have not seen the second season about uh the versace murder um I'll, i will go back and check that out but this has uh sarah paulson playing linda trip and yeah. i don't know if you remember what linda trip looked like but this like i i fucking the makeup job on her like you have to do a double take like if you look at her in the eyes you go okay that's sarah paulson but everything else like mannerisms voice just persona is just so and makeup obviously on her is so well crafted um clive owen plays bill clinton and when i I remember hearing that yeah when when, he grows on you at least for me like (laughs) like yeah when it when I first started it, I was just like, eh, it's Clive Owen with like a nose piece and like a a, a southern <laughs> accent. But he kind of grows on you. And like I was like, oh, he when shit starts hitting the fan in the story by like mid mid-season, season five, mm-hmm. uh, or episode five, um, you're, he really kind of bites into that character. And and I don't know what's I don't want to say like I don't know what's fact and what's made up for dramatic effects, but you can tell the angle of the show has really been how awful Monica Lewinsky was treated like in the press and how fucking bad you feel for her as a 23 year old intern who was hooking up with the president like they they, I, they never like, you know, had sex, but they had, you know, the term sexual relations and whatnot. And it, I just, and Monica Lewinsky is played by, um, Beanie Feldstein, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, who's been yeah. in a few things. I believe she's Jonah Hill's sister. I don't know if I'm right about that, but um, she is awesome in it. Uh, she just plays like this perfect scared little girl who has the world turning against her. 
Um, another great casting choice, Edie Falco as Hillary Clinton, who yeah. doesn't really kind of come into play till the end of the show. Like you see her early on and then like the, the episode, the show's 10 episodes and everything's broken up really nicely throughout the process of this big scandal. And um, like the first part is really the focus on Linda Tripp, Monica Lewinsky and the wiretapping and like recording her saying all this confidential stuff. And then like by middle yeah. of it, it's about Bill Clinton and how he's reacting to this and how we forget he was like a big lawman in Arkansas and he could talk himself mm-hmm. out of any st- sticky situation. And he kind of did just that through this whole process. Um, yeah. It also touches on the other sex scandals he had, like before he was president, there is um, uh, Anna Lee Ashford. I believe that's her name. She plays uh fucking, I forget the name of the character. I'll just cut that part out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's all these like great little beats in the story and it just kind of made me reflect. I mean, I was a kid, like everything was just a joke yeah. to me. Like, oh, the president's, the president's, you know, cheating on his wife or something. And like, no, this is like serious fucking shit that went down. Like yeah. this guy's gonna, you know, this guy's gonna lie under oath, you know, as the leader of the free world. What else has he lied under? Like, I don't know if I keep going on the wormhole, it's going to turn into, Democrats, Republicans, and opinions on things, but it's a great, yeah. it's, a, it's a great 10 episodes. I highly recommend that one. Um, I'll go back and check, check out season two. The first one about the OJ trial back in like 2015, that was an awesome season as well. The only yeah. thing I didn't like about it was David Schwimmer as Rob Kardashian or as the Kardashian lawyer. Yeah. I, I just, I, he seemed so miscast. Like he was just crying yeah. in every goddamn scene. Like, <laughs> yeah uncle juice yeah, don't then, kill yourself in kimmy's room like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, I, I did actually see the second season i haven't seen this season but uh i did see that second one with uh, the versace season interesting and um yeah it, it was pretty interesting uh the way they told the story because like they kind of they told it in backwards order almost where each episode like you start with the the versace murder and then you follow the the killer backwards in his timeline through like all the major things that he did leading up to it wow it was uh it was an interesting way of telling the story i thought no these are these are cool um no like you know they only do them like every couple years but every i'll go back and watch that one but yeah it's been pretty flawless television if you ask me and just Mm -hmm very detail oriented and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, this was good. But um, what do you have next? Uh, so the next thing I have on here is a show that I had just uh, finished watching, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, it was been airing on Amazon prime uh, animated show called the legend of Vox Machina. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that one at all. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that yeah, that one. Uh, it's been. I saw a couple of trailers for it before it came out, so I was like, sure, why not? You know, check this out. You know, I heard a little bit about it. Um, it's uh, it's a show that's uh, apparently based on. Um, have you heard of Critical Role? It's a uh, YouTube channel and uh, I think like no. Twitch stream streaming channel. Um, what they do is they they air uh, 
their episodes on um, their D and D campaign. You know, the playing playing Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, it's a group of voice actors, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons. So you got like a bunch of different voice actors who've all been in a lot of different things. Um, one uh, one of them is uh, this girl Ashley Johnson. She's um, Probably one of the best known things she was in was she did the voice of Ellie in the uh, Last of Us one and two, um, you know, video game series. And, uh, you know, she's she's been in a bunch of uh, voice acting roles. Um, there's, you know, all the uh, different actors. I, I don't have the the list of them right now, but like they, they've all been acting in a bunch of different things um, over the years. And uh, so the show is, you know, they they actually um ran a kickstarter a few years ago i think it was um to get an episode made for of their like their um their D, &D you know series like they wanted to make it into an animated show to make a pilot to get out there and uh their goal was you know for like a couple hundred thousand i forget exactly and uh they ended up beating that goal by like 10 million or something like that and, you know they raised yeah, they were, it was a very popular series on on uh, online. So uh, they hit their goal. <laughs> they exceeded it by ten million. Yeah, <laughs> hit their we needed a hundred k, but we'll take ten point one million. Yeah, really. Um, so yeah, when I think you know after that, then it was pretty easy for another you know like Amazon Prime, for instance. They saw that and was like, okay, well, we'll pick you up. Um, they put even more money into it so like they've it's already been confirmed they're getting a second season like i think it was confirmed before the first season even came out um and yeah it's just it's a really enjoyable show you know it's it's a really fun animated show it's only like half hour episodes um and it's it's one of those things where because it's based on a DD campaign they're injecting like the storytelling you know if you don't know DD, like the storytelling is kind of community based where yeah you know the the dm or a dungeon master has like a, an idea of where they want to put you know the story to go but everything like all the interactions that are happening are based on what the players decide to do you know so uh there's things that happen in the show that are just like things that happened in their like playing the game you know there's this one episode where um, they're trying to get into a, a lockpick, a door to get into a, a place and uh, they keep failing and like it just nothing works like everything they try just fails and uh, turns out that <laughs> that was because in D&D you have to roll like dice, you know, to get a, uh, you know, the, the chance to do something and the people who are just doing that part in the rolling they just kept getting shitty rolls like ones, you know, like <laughs> nothing good so it's just like damn it <laughs> you know so things like that where they they have to play that out in the show in a way and uh it also injects a lot of humor you know where like it's a very you know even though it's an animated show it's a very like adult uh based like animated show because there's you know the characters talk about sex and you know there's like moments of animated nudity and also just heavy blood and gore and shit like that when they you know get to moments that are like that and yeah, it's um, it's a really good show. You know, it's really funny, but also a, you know, it's kind of like Peacemaker, like very funny, but also very like heartfelt. And some of the moments where they 
like earn some really badass like victories that are just like yeah <laughs> you know sitting there like that, that was cool <laughs> yeah what's it you called know, again like, uh, the legend of vox machina okay yeah. i'll look at I, any, like, anybody who can raise 10 million <laughs> yeah I, from someone who's tried to do something like that, I I, I don't hate. I, I I appreciate. I will uh, look into watching that. Cool, dude. Um, yeah, it, was, it was really it was really fun to watch and uh, very easy to watch. You know, only half hour episodes. Like you know, yeah, you get I like it. It time you get through an episode and then you're like, now I want to watch the next one. Yeah, um, and they did a they did an interesting thing with uh, the release of the show where they. Um, they released three episodes at a time, you know, the first three episodes and then the next week, the next three episodes and so on until I think it was 12 episodes in that first season. Nice. Nice. I, I, Hulu does that. Hulu does like three episodes and then like, you know, then they do it weekly after that, which I think is kind of cool. Um, so no, I'll check that out. That actually sounds, I mean, I know I'm not a D and D guy, but like that actually, I don't know. Shit like that's kind yeah. of an alley. Yeah, um, I'm not big on you know. I've never played D and D, but you know, seeing like uh, seeing that show, like it really was fun. And lately, I've just for the hell of it been like looking up, um, like every now and then, random you know, like just random celebrity matches of D and D. You know, that would happened a lot during you know COVID because obviously a bunch of actors need something to do. So like. I saw one recently where it was uh, Jack Black and uh, one of the kids from Stranger Things. And, you know, like, and, uh, uh, I think there was um, Kevin Smith was in one. Like, there was just a bunch of different people all together. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, that uh, guy, I'm trying to blank on his name, but he was like one of those guys that was in that uh, Eric Andre show who... Um, or no, he was in a different show, but it was similar vibe. I don't know. It, there's, there's a ton of people who like. So yeah, it just it's it's kind of fun every now and then you pick up something like that. So uh, yeah, and this show it just it it has all of that you know like fun stuff and you know how Amazon does that thing where if you you can look at the cast of the people yeah. on the show as you're watching, so you can see like the voice actors. It's it's full of. Uh, a lot of like celebrity voice actors, you know, popping in. All right, cool, man. I'll check it out. Um, so I got two more and I'm just going to plow through them real quick. Cause, uh, they're not, mm -hmm. I haven't completed them. Well, I haven't completed one. It's a completed series. And the other one yeah. literally just aired and they're both on Disney plus. You probably can figure out which one of them is by now. By the time this airs, I think a couple episodes will drop. And that is for moon night. I started yeah, that was the last one on my list. Too. All right. Well, let's just talk about it real quick right now. Um, yeah. you all right. This is I've only done a little bit of research on the character. I gotta be honest, mm -hmm. my knowledge of Moon Knight is not really that I, I'm I'm not gonna fucking bullshit anybody. I don't really Yeah, I, I know very little about him too. All right. <laughs> just what I've heard about him in passing, like like I've heard him referred to a lot as Marvel's uh Batman, but with a personality yeah. disorder <laughs> yeah like first of all i'm really happy to see oscar isaac doing a role like this i don't know he just seems really cool in it um because yeah. i i this is the second thing he's i don't know if it's the second thing but second major thing he's done for disney obviously he's 
in the Star Wars, um, the the last three films. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not going to get into a geekdom, geek fandom thing about him in Star Wars, but I always felt like he was underused in those yeah. three Star Wars films. I always felt like they kind of crammed his character in, in the middle of I remember of hearing, I thought I heard in the first movie he was supposed to have died and then they ended up liking his character. So they just yeah. kept writing him in. And so it's just like, didn't really give him much to do though <laughs> i know like i always felt like they have this plot already laid out for better or for worse i know people have different opinions on it but but like they would just jam him into the middle of it and it, sometimes it just didn't even make sense but so i'm happy he's kind of got his own thing with this and you know that the first episode has a lot of weird things that happen and mm-hmm. i ethan hawk seems like a really interesting character in it. Um, he's always yeah, a good casting I, choice. I really enjoyed um, that. What, how they introduced this character and in like the very start of the show. Yeah. Where you, you see him, you know, you, he takes a drink, breaks the glass, puts the glass in his shoes and then puts them on. Like it says a lot while also saying very little about his character. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, what am I supposed to expect from the rest of the show now? <laughs> I think, you know, to speak of the last year and a half of Marvel, what they've done mm-hmm. since uh, Endgame um, says a lot. I think they're making some interesting, risky choices with storytelling, yeah. but I think that's what they need to do so we don't get the same goddamn thing rehashed out to us. And yeah. all those shows that aired last year, I think, did just that. I mean, I think you know, Winter Soldier and the Falcon, Falcon and Winter Soldier played it kind of straight and narrow, but I still thought it was a fine show. I still loved it, but yeah. WandaVision obviously got a little out there. Uh, Loki got a little out there. I finally got around to watching Hawkeye after we did our last episode. I thought that was a kick-ass show. Um, but, you know, the new Doctor Strange movie that is coming out when? Is it coming out in like a month or so? Yeah, I think. Yeah that i'm so fucking on board for that i will watch anything sam raimi does uh especially a sam raimi marvel film and like something (laughs) like this i think it's just cool how they're i don't know it's like they're very secretive until they show you the product which is how you should fucking do it and and um, so much of the like if you've seen trailers for this show a lot of what was in the trailers are in that first episode. So what are they going to do with these, the rest of these five, six episodes, I think in total. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, I mean, I can't say a lot about it. I don't know too much about the character and obviously I don't know too much about the show, but I will uh, probably do my best to keep tabs on this as our, as this podcast goes on and maybe, I don't know, put something about it on Instagram because it's like the climax of the first episode I thought was pretty kick-ass. Yeah. Yeah. The way they, the way they introduced the story in that first episode, I thought was really cool where it's like, he's already an established character. Like Moon Knight is, is, he's because the way the show starts, if you haven't seen the episode yet, it you're focused on the Stephen Grant, you know, personality you know that this character is inhabiting and uh he has no idea about any of the strange things going on in his life he just 
thinks that he has, you know, insomnia and that he's, you know, just has like a regular life working at a, a you know, gift shop. So, you know, nothing too crazy. And then eventually like he starts having these flashes of things that are stuff he doesn't recognize and you know and all of a sudden he's like flashing to different places that he's you know never never been before like yeah he just the the origin is happening for that personality rather than like you know being introduced to like a a legit origin story where you're like this is how he became this person like Mm -hmm. no you're learning it along with the character himself because this personality knows nothing about like his other personality that's you know a badass mercenary that can like you know like the the way they do that scene in the village where he keeps flashing in and out of like you know getting attacked by a bunch of people flashes and all of a sudden he's like covered in blood and all the people around him are dead on the ground yeah (laughs) it's and how that keeps happening yeah that that chase scene i thought was pretty cool too with just it looks like he's about to die and then like nope (laughs) <laughs> the other guys are about to die. <laughs> um, no, it's yeah, it's just, it's gonna be cool. It's uh, yeah. I'm excited for the whatever kind of crazy special effects are probably gonna come in the episodes to come. Uh, that is Moon Knight. The other one I just want to mention real quick is you told me about it months ago, and it's kind of circling back to anime that we talked about a little <laughs> bit ago. Uh, Star Wars Visions. The uh, oh, yeah. I think it's like twelve episodes or something. I'm, I'm not finished with it yet, but they're all like mm-hmm. anime Disney blend looking, um, little fifteen minute episodes that take place in in the Star Wars universe. And some of them, the, the there's, there was a few like episode two is a very kid friendly. Like, yeah, it's like a, a rock band that's about to like. That's like performing for Jabba the Hut or something. Yeah. Uh, and then, well, I mean, like somebody's like about to get executed, but <laughs> um, they get Jabba, Jabba the Hut to be like their sponsor. But the first episode was such a hook for me because it looks like Seven Samurai. It looks oh, like yeah. an Akira Kurosawa movie. And yeah, that like, black and white style where oh, only the God is so good. There. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, because you know, George Lucas, like, pretty much watched so many Kurosawa movies that like, that's how he pretty much made star Wars. Like he pulled yeah. so much from that. That was movie. what was in his head. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is f- so fucking good. So they're all like different episodes. I think throughout it, different styles. Yeah. Different styles of anime studios. and whatnot. So I'm going to keep watching it and I will, I don't know, fucking, I recommend it. Check it out. If it's on Disney plus star Wars visions. Here's a message from our sponsor. Just kidding. We don't have a sponsor yet. Nobody has sponsored this podcast, so I can't do a solid transition. Um, I was thinking about doing that, but no. <laughs> um, so here we are. Uh, we went through a couple things uh, that we've been watching, but I wanted to maybe elaborate or I wanted to maybe experiment on doing a few other things for when we do something like this. And maybe this is actually a topic I can expand on to a full on episode of its own uh maybe down the road with like multiple people our age of course um mm. this is just coming personally for me i you know you and i are about the, we're the same age we're a couple months apart but we both grew up in the early 2000s we were teenagers from you know like 
2001 on to like not to now but uh <laughs> like you know both graduated in 06 and um i don't know i started revisiting movies from 20 years ago now like to see if they still hit like they did when i was a teenager so i gave myself three i i, I got one honorable mention um i gave you three or i didn't give you i said go find three um so mm-hmm. these are like three early 2000s movies that we're going to see if they still work or not. So I hope I explained that really good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So pretty much, I think the rule, even though I don't even know if I mentioned the rule, but like it has to like, it can't be like past 2010. Like it's got to be like the latest you could maybe go was like 08, 09. Um, All of mine, I think are in 2000, 2001, and 2002. So um, since you are yeah, my guest, my, my latest one was 05, I think. So, all right, sick. We are on point here. I didn't want it to be too far out of like when we were in high school. Um, yeah. So let's get nostalgic here. Give me one early to your first early 2000s film. And is it, does it still, does it still work? Does it still hit? Yeah. Uh, so the first one I have on this list, uh, I put it on first because it was the one I saw, you know, the, um, furthest back, yeah, you know, I, I watched this one like a few, you know, like a couple months ago. But um, yeah, you know, it's one I think it's on HBO Max right now. Uh, Be cool uh, from yes. two thousand five. Uh, so anyone that doesn't know, Be cool, um, it's a a sequel You're to Get cool. Shorty. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off because that is a pivotal point. Yeah, say it again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a sequel to Get Shorty, which was a 90s movie uh, with John Travolta and Danny DeVito. Um, and uh, yeah, be cool. I mean, you don't have to have watched be Get Shorty to in- enjoy this movie. It's, it's like there's nothing really about it that you wouldn't get just from watching the movie. Um, but also be cool is very much just the exact same movie as Get Shorty, just with a different like, a few different things you know like it's a thing here uh, dealing with the music business instead of the film business and uh you know a few different characters and that are being introduced in it but yeah it's pretty much the same movie um, the plot like the general plot, plot is uh the plot is um uh john travolta plays this character named chili palmer who Such a uh, cool used name. to be yeah <laughs> uh he used to be a uh like a loan shark uh you know working for the mob and uh eventually you know he came out to uh, la because he was chasing down a uh, a lead you know and got wrapped up in the movie business so that was the first movie basically and then in the second movie this is you know years later and he's you know established uh, in the movies as like a producer and whatnot and um now he's tired of that, you know, tired of like how the business is going. So he wanted to move into uh, music instead, you know, because he's a big fan of music. And uh, so, you know, he's, you know, gets into helping a uh, friend's, you know, a friend of his, um, friend of his at the beginning of the movie ends up, you know, getting killed. So he, you know, wants to help out his, you know, the widow uh, with, you know, her, the business, you know, he, he ran a music studio and he's trying to help this uh, this girl who's you know a, a potential you know potentially has uh, could be like a big star you know Christina played by Christina Milian, Milian. right yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's, but she's also being, um, uh, being like taken advantage of by the, the person that's got her contract and like the, you know, I forget like, uh, what his character's name is, but you know, he's being played by Harvey Keitel and, uh, her manager is being played by Vince Vaughn. Who's, um, like this, this is, you know, the character he plays in it, he's just this white guy who thinks he's a black guy, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> very early 2000s, uh, you know, like the whole, uh, <laughs> that whole, like, Malibu's most wanted, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that whole act that he put on in that movie was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, also, he had a uh, he had a a gay bodyguard being played by The Rock. You know, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Johnson. This is before like The Rock was still like had a foot in wrestling. Like he he had yeah. just done a few films. Yeah, yeah. So this was like one of his first like comedy movies. You know, where he's playing. <laughs> against type in a way you know considering he's playing like a, a gay man <laughs> yeah. and uh and like uh you know the things that he's doing in this movie where he's he's, he's actually very funny in it um you know even though he's like being very stereotypically gay which you know the early 2000s that was just the way that characters like that were portrayed in a lot of ways but uh yeah <laughs> and um the movie you know it has uh just a huge cast like i've only mentioned you know probably like half of the main players i mean the widow you know that's in it um is being played by uh uma thurman yeah you know, who, like you know it's a ton of people who randomly pop up in this movie throughout. this was like and, their their big they reunited yeah, this like, like since Pulp fiction they hadn't done a movie together yeah. they even had a dance scene <laughs> yeah 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 I had seen this movie in bits and pieces and I never fully finished it. And I, but from what I've seen, it's, I mean, I love, I love get shorty, but yeah. I remember hearing that like this movie was such a, like a misfire. Like, I don't, I don't know if it did well, I, I could be wrong about mm-hmm. that, but I, everything I've seen of it, I, I think it's actually a fun little movie, not little movie, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I, I remember seeing it. Uh, it was a movie my parents rented back, you know, when it came out and, you know, watched it, you know, at the house with them and just really enjoyed it just cause it was, you know, I thought it was a fun movie. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in it that are like, kind of, you know, still like kind of make me laugh. I mean, even, even all these years later, I mean, uh, they have, um, stuff in it like, uh, like, um, Andre 3000, uh, he has a bit part in it where he plays like a, a rapper that's like kind of like a thug rapper that's working mm-hmm. for uh, another studio. And uh, he has like a f- few funny lines in it, you know, where he's, uh, you know, they're, you know, John Travolta, he has a run in with these guys and he's got his car that he got that's like very fuel efficient and they're all driving Humvees. And he's just like, you know, he makes a crack about like, Oh, well, what do your cars make? Uh, Ten miles to the gallon. Yeah, Andre two thousand just so like so proud, like nah, <laughs> <laughs> nah. It's like stupid, stupid little shit like that, you know. And he has this like one part later on in the movie where he, uh, they're like invading John Travolta's house to kind of like intimidate him, and uh, they're you know they're talking about like oh you, you know. Tell us what you're gonna tell us, and then we're gonna shoot you. And Andre 3000, he's sitting there, and he fucking his gun goes off by accident, and he's just like, 
he just throws the gun. He's just like, don't give me no damn gun. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And like, All right. sitting there drinking tea, like, you know, from a little cup holding the gun and like got his pinky popped with the, the teacup. Like, <laughs> like that. But my, uh, my question for you does it still hit? Is it still good? I think it does. You know, there's nothing about it that are, that's like explicitly like, Oh, you know, this like dates it, you know, like there, obviously there's certain things that, you know, that happen. you know, like just technology wise, that's, that's always going to date a movie. But as far as the uh, content goes, like I thought it was uh, still pretty decent and holds up, you know, there's, um, you know, certain things like certain character interactions, like uh, with, you know, between like Vince Vaughn's and, uh, the, you know Dwayne Johnson's characters that it's like they probably wouldn't hold up today just because of like the th- you know things that people consider funny in yeah. movies now and like how people are portrayed but you know it just it's still like there was a lot of aspects of that that made me laugh and yeah you know I, I think it still holds up to a certain degree as far as that's concerned but yeah it, <laughs> one of the things I always thought was kind of funny too was um there's this scene in it where uh, John Travolta is talking with um, Steven Tyler. He's like having a conversation <laughs> with him and uh, trying to convince him to like work with them in their studio <laughs> and to do it. He, uh, John Travolta's character is explaining uh, the meaning of one of Steven Tyler's own songs to him. Like, I think it was uh, sweet emotion or something like that. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, he, he, you know, John Travolta's like, oh, what did you think this song is about? And, you know, he gives some answer, you know, Steven Tyler gives some answer. And then he's just like, let me tell you what I think it's about. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> goes off on this whole thing. And Steven Tyler's sitting there at the end, like, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. I'm glad it still is because I think it is. I actually, I want to maybe sit down and watch that at some point. I've always, thought it was a good flick from what i've seen um to jump to mine here's my first one with a seven percent on rotten tomatoes (laughs) oh shit big numbers which let me just fucking and uh, i don't want to give it away too early but um released on may 7th 2002 in the united states from columbia pictures and revolution studios remember that logo that's when you knew you were in an early 2000s film um (laughs) uh this is a a little movie that i feel like i probably could still quote to this day and i haven't seen it since i watched it for this episode but it was on so much on like stars or hbo i think it was stars i went to stars the new guy (laughs) yeah uh so this, I mean, you, your movie, uh, Be Cool, has a pretty star-studded cast. I wouldn't say this is star-studded, but this has a lot of like, what the fuck I are they doing in this movie? movie? <laughs> yeah. Um. So just random appearances. Like, didn't oh God, what was the act? The guy's name. He's like a big country star that played his father. Lyle Lovett uh, is in it. Julia yeah, Roberts' was... ex-husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me before i go into the cast let me just give the quick little uh synopsis here um dj qualls who is the main character who 
you know, was in what it was at Euro road trip. He was in road trip. Yeah, he was road in a trip. few other things. He pops up every now and then he was in that uh, sci-fi show Z nation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he was in that Jim Jeffries. I think that's his comedian's name uh, show on FX that didn't last that long, but I thought it was kind of funny. I forget what it was called, but yeah, it was like two seasons. Yeah. yeah. He played like a paraplegic who was, yeah, I don't know, but um, yeah. but DJ Qualls plays a guy named Dizzy Harrison is his character's name, who's an absolutely loser at his school, and he he it's the typical like '80s comedy of wanting to be cool, and I don't know, I had just had this crazy thought go through my head of just like this is the early 2000s. This is very dark mm-hmm. and macabre of me to think this way, but like we had a lot of movies about like people getting picked on and whatnot. And like, this was like the beginning of school shootings. And Mm -hmm. I kind of started to think of maybe like this was Hollywood trying to shine a light on school bullying. So like nobody did, you know, fucked up crazy things like that. Um, Clearly didn't really work. But um, to jump off that, it's just a thought that went through my head while I was watching it. Uh, (laughs) But so he pretty much is able to through a very strange circumstance, which doesn't even really make sense to me. Like this would never happen in real life. He gets to go to jail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and his, yeah, I remember that. Like he gets, goes to jail and then like learns how to be cool. Yeah. He learns how to be like a tough guy. <laughs> and then he transfers to like the rival school and he's like the cool guy over there. So, yeah. um, and then he gets like, you know, a girlfriend and everything. And so the cast on this, I want to get to the cast. DJ Qualls, obviously, I mentioned the love interest, who's the girl who ends up kind of thinking he is cool when he's now a cool kid, is Elijah Dushku. That is a hard last name to say. I always want to say douchebag. Um, uh, um, Eddie Griffin is the cellmate with him who teaches him how to be cool. I uh, completely forgot this. Zoe Deschanel is uh, yeah. he's he's in a band. DJ Qualls' character is in a band. Zoe Deschanel is like the friend in the band. Um, mm. I'm just going by the order of how I'm seeing him here. But Henry Rollins, who always <laughs> shows up and stuff, is like a tough guy. He's the warden at the jail. Um, <laughs> Ileana Douglas, I don't know if you know who that is, but she's like she's been in like anything from Goodfellas to this <laughs> uh she's a great she's a great writer too now and i think filmmaker and a podcaster as well um J- the o'connell brothers jerry and charlie even though i don't know much about charlie but jerry o'connell's in it uh yeah. josh todd who's the front man to the band buck cherry if you remember them is in it uh yeah. and then there's a lot of um like musician cameos in it like vanilla ice is in it uh, who's just like a guy who runs a music store that, you know, DJ Qualls and Elijah Dushku go on a date to. Um, Gene Simmons <laughs> is in this as a reverend. Uh, Tommy Lee pops up real quick. Tony Hawk. You have to have fucking Tony Hawk in an early 2000s movie in a cameo. Um, yeah. Jeffrey Lewis, who plays the principal, who is actually like a big actor from the character actor from the 70s. I believe he, yeah, eh, he just passed away like five years ago, unfortunately. But I, he, mm-hmm. he was in like a lot of stuff back in the 70s. Great character actor. Um, I feel like I'm like, there's a couple names that like, like Ross Patterson, who plays like the bully, who I feel like every time I've seen that guy in a movie, he just plays a school bully and that's his shtick. Yeah. Um, 
yeah man this movie like is just just bleeds just early 2000s humor lyle lovett like we had mentioned um is his father i forgot we should, i want to elaborate on that because there's a scene where they're at a, a therapist and lyle lovett mm-hmm. says this line i'd say over and over again when a friend of mine would be denying something i'd be like denial is not just a river in egypt <laughs> yeah and yeah, never, I remember that. <laughs> and so this movie is just very typical 90 minutes in and out you know the humor is it, the humor is just early 2000s you can tell this is kind of spawned from you know things like american pie and road trip which dj qualls was yeah. in um just that teen humor that it, it but it doesn't go too over the top. It doesn't get raunchy. I never felt like, eh, that doesn't hit anymore. Um, mm. But I just remember this, this movie being on like twice a day, every weekend on stars. Mm. And I'd always watch at least 20 minutes of increments, 20 minute increments of it. And mm. just sometimes I'd sit down and watch the whole thing. I think I might actually have it on DVD behind me. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so to get to where I need to land here on this, this has 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I just got to say, why? Why? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not a great movie by any stretch, but I still think it holds up. I still think it hits. I still think it's fun if you want to get nostalgic because there's just little, you know, the fashion of the early 2000s is in there. Frosted tips. Yes. Frosted, the frosted tip hairdo is in there. Um, that was like holy shit (laughs) i feel like like this kind of is trying it's not really spoofing but like a lot of those late 90s teen movies i think early 2000 teen films kind of spoof a little bit like not another teen movie had been out by then like it's almost like things are a little spoofy now but the new guy's not really spoofing anything i just i don't know i just Mm -hmm. think like whoever wrote this thing got like really lucky and then bam like all these all these people got involved with the film and I don't know. I yeah. think it, I think it's a perfectly fine film. I think it's a perfectly fine comedy to turn your brain off. Comedy's hard yeah. to come by. And I think this one still hits. So fuck you rotten tomatoes with your 7%. I'd give it like a 34 <laughs> to 40%. Yeah. All right. So that's yeah. the new guy. I don't know if you have anything to say on it. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just, uh, yeah. I remember that movie like being, you know, just it's definitely one of those like early two thousands, just stupid teen, you know, or teen slash like early twenties, you know, movies. Yeah. You know, like you know, you, you can definitely enjoy the hell of it. I mean, it's like I, I'm, you know, I've seen there's so many movies that are like that, and you can randomly just like pop on just to watch it. Yeah, it'll give you a, those same like chuckles, even if yeah, like some of the sh- like somebody watching it now might not get some of the references but yeah. uh because sometimes that's like just a product of their their time there's but, a yeah. there's a not so great joke but i still kind of laughed at it but I, when i was a teenager i probably thought it was funny eddie griffin teaches dj qualls the evil eye he's <laughs> just like he just like makes the evil eye and there's like a yeah. sound of like a crack whip that gets edited into it. And so like anytime <laughs> he's at the new school and like any of the bullies give him shit, he just gives him the evil eye and they, they just back off. I, it, it Like it, just explaining it now, it sounds fucking stupid, but I still thought it was funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, let me, b- before 
I give it back to you. The soundtrack to this has a lot of like early 2000s punk rock, <laughs> punk oh, rock yeah. bands. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the end credits, I've had that simple plan song in my head of I'm just a kid and life is a yeah. nightmare. I've had that going I feel like, all day. Uh, yeah, I feel like every movie that was like in high school around that time had that movie that song in it yeah you know? <laughs> yeah all like, right take the soundtrack from any american pie movie yeah. and just insert it in any of those other like early 2000s teen movies <laughs> all right you're 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 number two or your number whatever you're your middle one yeah. what's up so the next one that i have on my list that i watched uh, i actually re-watched it last night just to uh, get myself caught up on it Um, because it's been a few years. It's Evolution from 2001. I've still never seen it. I've still never seen this movie. Really? (laughs) This was a, Uh, this, like I was at the, um, I was at the theater like every Friday as a teenager in summer of 2001. Because I think this is a pre 9-11 movie. Um, I think. And I, for some reason, just didn't go to this one. It looked looked weird to me. I just, I don't know. Go ahead, elaborate. I need to see this movie. <laughs> so uh, this movie, it's uh, it's obviously it's um, you know it's it's about evolution. <laughs> it's uh, it's a movie that's about a uh, starring David Duchovny. Sorry, uh, Christians. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just looked it up uh, its initial release was june 8th 2001 so yeah, yeah pre 9-11 um it's a uh, ivan reitman movie which uh you know you just, he just recently passed away yeah. yeah so um you know i i wanted to come back to the, you know some of his older pictures and uh yeah this one <laughs> so um like i was saying it's a movie where uh you start out you know there's this you know asteroid that hits the uh, hits the earth and uh so then you know hits the earth and then cuts to um david duchovny uh he's like being called in to investigate the thing uh because he works at a local college as a you know a science professor or whatever and um goes with his his friend that's also a, a geology professor that works there played by orlando jones and they find you know the meteor it seems to have alien life that's like coming out of it and uh you know every time they go to check in on it it's like it's uh stat it's it's evolving faster and faster like the the organisms coming out of it you know start as like a goo and eventually they you know within hours they're becoming like worms and then you know so on until they're like you know it culminates in them eventually becoming primates and uh so it's just like you know they're jumping the evolutionary stage so fast that it seems like they're gonna you know take over the world or something if they're not stopped. Meanwhile, this is also it. This is also like sets it up to sound like a very intense like sci-fi movie, but it's also it's a comedy. It's you know like the the where do I have the the the. Uh, the cover of the movie it even says from the maker of Ghostbusters and Road Trip. So like <laughs> it should give you an idea of what kind of movie you're into um, or in for. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it's it's also got uh, Julianne Moore and uh, Sean William Scott. You know, yeah, we I remember Sean about. William Scott in the trailer, and like I felt like he's coming off Air- American Pie fame, and like, oh yeah, definitely. Like, we need to get something <laughs> like that in this movie, you know. So yeah, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a fun movie. You know, it was it was very like stupid. You know, kind of, <laughs> kind of like you know, the, the, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like the things that that are happening in it, you know, as far as like how this shit works and like but yeah it was still just uh i i enjoyed it you know for the stupid humor in it you know like they're you know the um david duchovny his he's like not taking it very serious at all you know like at one point uh in the movie they're you know they get their um their research is all stolen from them and they're you know like being uh kicked out of the whole like in investigating this this rock because the government's come around and now they're like taking over so as they're leaving the place after getting kicked out you know david duchovny moons them <laughs> just ass out <laughs> he's always been out great in comedy like yeah he's always been yeah like I, he kind of got the label because he's on the x-files and whatnot he, yeah. even on the x-files he's a little bit more of the free spirit between the Mulder yeah. and scully um but i like it when he's in when he does humor like californication is such a good show also yeah um <laughs> no that so does so you would say this still holds up yeah i thought so you know as far as like it's it's humor it's uh it's all very you know it's based on the situation so there's nothing in it that's really like got you you know that's taking you out of the movie or anything um there's a couple of jokes in it where like it it seems like orlando jones's character might have like a thing with one of his students so they make like a couple of jokes about that um but yeah it's it's you know in another movie that's filled with frosted tips <laughs> i'm pretty sure that uh pretty sure that david duchovny uh his character he might have had like a die job or something because he's he looks very like like almost like auburn with his hair you know or like a strawberry blonde or almost or some shit it's just like yeah your hair you know, same thing with uh julianne moore like her you know when i was watching it last night i was thinking to myself like she seems a little bit more like blonde than like her red you know hair usually is so, it's like it might have just been like a you know sign of the times or something uh, yeah but, uh, but yeah it's uh you know i i enjoyed it you know still you know watching it last night you know it, it you know i've always enjoyed that movie you know, like it always made me laugh um and like the the stupid way that they figure out how to defeat the aliens in the end where like yeah, I don't want to give it away, but like they they figure out like a substance that they can use to kill them that's as lethal to them as like arsenic is to us, mm-hmm. and um, it's not what you would expect, you know. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, is it's definitely fun. Uh, I think I, when I looked it up, it's on. Um, I think it might be on Cinemax or something. Uh, I think that was what it said when I just looked it up. But I, I just watched it because I have the the DVD, so I just watched that last night. All right, dude. Well, apparently you can watch it on Hulu. Well, I just oh, looked dude. up. All right. No, I'll definitely put that towards my uh, on top of my to watch list because I've always wanted to watch that movie. I like pre. I, I, this is weird. 
I'm not going to say that. Never mind. I was going to say, I like pre 9 11 movies. No shit. There's a lot of pre 9 11 movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not going to cut that part out. Um, all right. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff like in those early 2000s that like afterwards just completely changed the way certain, you know, like, what, what was it? Collateral was a movie that was supposed to have yeah. come out. And then once that happened, that got pushed back. Yeah, you know, especially because of the subject matter. Damage, I think that was what it was. Not collateral. Collateral is a different movie altogether. Yeah, collateral damage is a Schwarzenegger movie. All right. Yeah. My number two. Um, so I talked about this briefly on the mailbag episode a couple weeks, uh, a couple weeks, maybe a month ago on the show, just because somebody asked me for bad, actually Jason Coons shot me a frequent guest on the show, shot me a message about just some three bad movies. And so if you can kind of tell where this is going to go, if it holds up or not fine, I guess I kind of gave it away. Uh, but I wanted to elaborate on it because I like loved this movie when it came out when I was 13. Uh, this is November 2nd, 2001. We were graced on the big screens by a movie directed by James Wong starring Jet Li. I'm talking about The Uno. <laughs> <laughs> no, The One. Um, yeah, so I feel like once I gave this a rewatch, I hopped on uh, the, the movie uh social media movie site letterboxd where we just you just leave star reviews you can be your own critic basically i don't really like Mm -hmm. leave reviews i just put stars if i liked it or not if i didn't if i liked it i'll I'll elaborate but if i didn't i just you know carry on in my life but i think i screenshotted a review and sent it to you (laughs) because it like matched my feelings all these years of this movie because so the, the one is early 2000s high octane sci-fi action at its finest the mm-hmm. plot is very simple jet lee is a is a, a criminal who is jumping from parallel universe to parallel universe and killing the version of himself so he can become the one <laughs> <laughs> and so um I mean, honestly, that's kind of a cool little concept, I guess, if you want to turn your brain off. I also like the the explanation where, like, the more hymns that he kills, the stronger the one becomes. Yeah. Like, Um, almost like Highlander-esque, where, like, he gains their strength. It is kind of like a high, it is kind of Highlander-esque. I I, I never didn't really think of that about that till right now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so this is uh so jet lee's the bad guy for some of the movie and he's the good guy but you get like to see jet lee versus jet lee it's almost like what jean claude van damme was doing at the time except it was straight to video <laughs> um, okay. but jet lee you know look i i love jet lee i don't want to talk smack about jet lee because jet lee's 30 years older than me and he could still kick my ass but i never thought jet lee was that great of an actor you know with mm-hmm. delivering emotion and whatnot or at least in this at least in like stateside films and i feel like they're trying to get a lot of emotion out of him in this movie and it just kind of is really cringy and funny at times but again i love jet lee i love kung fu movies but i feel like they were trying to ask more of him that he could really deliver in this film um yeah (laughs) 
So this cast is uh, Jason Statham before Jason Statham really got to become Jason Statham. Like this is a year or two before the Transporter movies came out. Uh, Delroy Lindo, yeah, he was just a side character. Yeah, he was. He's yeah. He was. This was. He hadn't had a leading role yet. I don't think. Um, yeah. Carla Giugio. I forget if I said that right. Um, Gugino. Oh, I, know, I fucked that. <laughs> or Gugino. Or I've heard it pronounced several ways, but but she's been in a ton yeah. of stuff. Like you know, she's in. She's in a lot of, she's still, dude, she's still around kicking ass, but she plays Jet mm-hmm. Li's um, wife, I guess. And the, the good yeah. Jet Li, the hero Jet Li. And yeah. you know, she's kind of a throwaway character. She's just the wife, but there's like a cool tense scene where he's like up in the attic and he does, she doesn't know if he is the Jet Li from a different universe or her husband. And then, you know, shit goes south. I thought that was actually a cool scene. But um, yeah. Delroy, Delroy Lindo's in it also as Jason Statham's partner. And they're like these universe traveling cops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, I mean, that's really it for like major cat. Oh, Dean Norris from Breaking Bad, who plays. Um, I forget the character's name. Uh, Hank. Hank. He's in it briefly a, a little bit um, as just kind of like a SWAT sergeant. And mm-hmm. Um, it's not really a big part, but I was like, holy shit, it's fucking Hank from Breaking Bad. Uh, so this movie is, you know, like Jet Li doing Jet Li at like the peak of his career. And, and, you know, it's, it's fun. Like it's fun in concept, but, um, I rewatched it. And one thing that really tickled my fancy was the soundtrack and like how they had like pinnacle rock songs from that era. Like, um, the, what's the first one is let the bodies hit the floor kicks on like yeah. an opening scene and then the next one is like down with the sickness <laughs> disturbed and then yeah. it ends on the final scene with um last resort by papa roach and what i was getting at with that letterbox review i sent to you that was literally what i always thought when I was 13 years old, like I was just like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Drowning pool. Let the bodies hit the floor. Fuck. Yeah. Cause I was into that kind of music as a teenager. I was a little skater punk. Yeah. I was into, I was in, I was headbanging a little bit. And then like, you know, 20 minutes later, it's down with the sickness. And I was just like, fuck yeah. Down with the sickness. I love it. Yeah. And then I was just like, no way. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. What's what's the final song going to be? Holy fucking shit. It's last resort by Papa Roach. They did it. They did the trifecta of early 2000s rock music in, in this movie. <laughs> and with yeah. all that being said, this movie does not hold up at all. <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't really good to begin with, honestly. Like when I, I, this was just like the new guy. It was on a lot on like Stars or HBO, like twice a day when it had premiered. I saw it so much. And I just would always think like 13 years old, I'm supposed to be intrigued by this high octane video game action-esque sci-fi film. And I was just mm-hmm. like, this fucking sucks, man. <laughs> and, you know, I don't like to dive too far deep into things I don't like, but I didn't, I didn't really care for it. It didn't, it didn't hit again. Like I thought maybe I could turn my brain off and enjoy it, but I turned my brain off and I still didn't really enjoy it. But um, it's there. There definitely is something about it. It definitely feels of its era. It feels. I just remember f- like paralleling it to like the video game culture at the time, and like I feel like there were games like this you could play 
Um, yeah. Um, so it really is of its time, but I don't think it holds up. Uh, I almost moved that to my honorable mention because I have an honorable mention that I don't know if it's going to be your next one, but <laughs> I'm going to, uh, before we get into number ones here, that's the one, by the way, I think it's streaming on Netflix or it's on Tubi. It's still around. Um, mm-hmm. Or buy it on Blu-ray. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but let's get into honorable mentions till we get to our last one. So I don't know how many you got. I got two, but floor is yours. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, one of them, you know, before, like when I was trying to come up with films, I, I thought that maybe this one would be too, too late, but it, it's a 2008 film. Right. Um, Still works. Yeah. Forbidden the last Kingdom. of that era. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, Forbidden Kingdom with uh, Jet Li and Jackie Chan. Oh the, my the god! Movie that they did together. Yeah, I remember that movie. Like everyone was talking about that movie because they were going to fight. Like, they were billing it on. Yeah, they were billing it on. They have a fight scene. Like they're going to fight each other. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and actually, it 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 did like it, it did live up to like it was a pretty decent fight, and they made it set up where like not there wasn't like a specific winner they kind of draw you know come to a draw and then they end up working together which you know it's like it's kind of thing you see in a lot of movies today where it's like you got two superheroes they're gonna fight each other but then they're gonna fight they're gonna work things out in the end you know like it's like batman versus superman (laughs) it's like but and that's what these guys are these guys are a couple superheroes but they're you know our fucking martial arts icons that we grew up with you know um yeah and uh that movie it was like <laughs> just a really you know fun um it, it, it maybe uh one of the things that might not hold up today is uh it has a light aspect of that whole like white savior thing which um but at the same time i don't really feel like that's it's a like prevalent in this movie because he doesn't really do much like that the what's yeah. the, i think is the, the actor's michael Angarina or something something like that i forget uh he, he's been acting in a bunch of stuff um over the years i think he was on that that uh i remember him being in sky high you know that was like one of his big things but um but yeah you know he this his actor and like he was basically just a like a, there to deliver the staff and he learned some martial arts from jackie chan and jet lee and you know, like at one point in the movie where you would have that typical, like, oh, the white savior is going to get into a fight and he's going to kick the ass of these people who have been training all their lives. Like, <laughs> no, he he got his ass kicked <laughs> big time and, and lost the fight. So, you know, that's one of the aspects of it that I appreciate, too. It's just like they're not doing that thing of like, he's just suddenly amazing at this stuff. Like, no, he's learning. <laughs> <laughs> How did he do it? <laughs> he didn't that's how <laughs> <laughs> all right um, you got any more um yeah I, I i was thinking of another one but now i'm, I'm drawing a blank on what it was so um, all right you can go ahead all right uh first one i'm going to mention i got two i'm going to mention this one first because i still don't know what your final one is and if you didn't pick this uh, no, no, we'll get into it in a minute <laughs> <laughs> First up is 2002's The Scorpion King, starring the Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. This was, he had a year earlier, a year, I think it was a year earlier, he had done The Mummy Returns, and he had had that mm-hmm. one part as the Scorpion King, 
uh, yeah. in the very beginning of the film. And then at the end, there is an awful CGI of that's the, that's the Scorpion King at the end of it. Awful for 2001 standards. Um, that that CGI is still getting talked about by how bad it is. It's it like it's like it's just completely unrendered. It's it's fucking it's 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 fucking Justice League Steppenwolf. Like j- 2017 Steppenwolf in Justice League looks better than that. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so he comes back a year later to do um, the pretty much kind of a spinoff from that where he plays a character, the Scorpion King. And um, you get kind of his like origin story a little bit. And I was hyped about it because at the time I was watching wrestling as a kid, you know, the WWE, I guess we call it attitude era was so dope. You had the rock you had stone cold you had undertaker you had all those fucking cool characters. Anyway. Um, uh, but like, so I didn't see it in theaters. It just, you know, I just skipped out on it, but I, I just like blind bought the, um, I think it was the VHS of it actually mm. still. I don't, I don't know if I had a DVD player yet. It was right before maybe I got a DVD player and I bought it and popped it in and it's a short little movie. It's 90 minutes. Um, Michael Clark Duncan's in there as a supporting role. Uh, Kelly, Kelly who it's Kelly who, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she's in there as kind of the love interest, as the the temptress queen. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I didn't like it at thir- at thirteen years old. <laughs> like, I felt really lit down. I I just I, I could kind of tell at a young age. And look, this was The Rock's first movie. Like, you know, wrestlers transitioning into actors. It takes a while. I mean, once upon a time, John Cena did a movie called The Marine, and it was awful. Uh, yeah. Now look look at him now. I mean, here's the Rock doing the Scorpion King, and you definitely get his iconic stature and why he got to be who he is to this day. And yeah. you know, you get kind of a resemblance to Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan the Barbarian. At a, you know, when he was a, a young man making a movie like of that kind of genre. But like, I just remember watching it going. Uh, I don't know, like the rocks. I was really let down by the rocks performance. <laughs> I think all I wanted to do was see him raise an eyebrow and give the people's elbow. <laughs> and I didn't get that, but I, um, I don't know. And so I went back and I rewatched it again about a few months ago before I even thought of this concept. And I thought it was kind of like the one I was like, I'm going to see if I can enjoy this, find just some sort of nostalgia in it. And sometimes with nostalgia, you know, you just, just kind of got to let it be, even if it was a bad thing. And I still didn't really care for the Scorpion King. I'm sorry. I know it got like four or five straight to DVD sequels with fucking Randy Couture. <laughs> yeah. The Rock never came back to that. I know The Rock never came back. <laughs> How am I supposed to go watch these movies if, if it's not The yeah. Rock? Like, I'll at least give it a chance if it's The Rock. And it just, I don't know. Like, it was definitely, I definitely appreciate it because he, you know, it, it gave us a platform for him to become the movie star that he is today. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It just wasn't really that good, if you ask me. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's that. I don't think it holds up to this day. I don't think it ever really held up. I don't think anybody wants to talk about how bad it was because everybody loves The Rock. So I'm going to leave it be. Um, my other honorable mention, and I'm going to say it very carefully because I don't know if it's on your list. This is a movie you and I have talked about plenty of times. 
And I only didn't make it my number one because I just thought we could maybe riff on it really here, here for a quick. And it could be like a little bonus number one. Talking about 2000s, the replacements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This, dude, you're not even a sports fan and you love this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I, I've always liked sports movies more than the sports themselves. <laughs> is this your next one, if I may add? No, it's not. Oh. But, uh, yeah. But okay. um, yeah, I definitely, you know, I, I love this movie. <laughs> so The Replacements is a football movie. Um, I don't talk get to talk a lot of sports films on this show, um, but this is a really good sports movie. This is a, you know, outcast getting to be, you know, you know, getting to be the you know the badasses this is like underdog story yeah it's an underdog story with you know and i guess it's kind of a commentary on you know professional sports because like they talk a they talk a ton of shit about like professional athletes being bitchy millionaires um and i think that's up for debate that's up for debate these days with what happens to professional football players after they retire and maybe they do need you know a substantial amount of money so they don't fucking die but um, um, you know, so pretty much the plot of the movie is that there's like a month left in the regular season, the made up Washington Sentinel football team, uh, which by the way, the movie is clearly taking place in Baltimore, not Washington, DC. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, the team goes on strike, all the starters go on strike. So like the coaching goes on strike. So the owner of the Washington Sentinels has to now they hire a coach played by Gene Hackman. And, you know, you feel like he's just rehashing his character from Hoosiers, but that that's okay. You know, he's, yeah. And um, they got to go get like replacement coach too. So yeah, they got to get like replacement players to come in and play for the team. And, you know, the thing is, is that the football team's like on the cusp of making the playoffs and, so yeah. the main character they bring in is Shane Falco, who is a big college football star who just didn't really make it in the pros. And he's played by Keanu Reeves. Now this sounds like such a miscast, but he is fucking perfect in this movie. Yeah. I, I don't know why you go from the matrix to this. I don't know why yeah. that, that, that call got made, but here he is. And um, this has also a, a great supporting cast. Uh, John, a young John Farvro's in it as a funny. Um, he's one of the scab players who's like a SWAT police officer who comes in as a linebacker. And then there's like a yeah. guy on the team who's like coming out of jail. So they have this weird dynamic. Um, Orlando Jones plays the um, like, you know, kind of charismatic wide receiver who has a lot of funny mm-hmm. scenes. Yeah, and he can't um, catch for shit. Yeah, so they put yeah, a stick him on his hands. Like um, David Denman from, you know, who's a character actor. He's popped up in The Office and whatnot. He plays a tight end who's deaf. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's a two actors who are like bouncers at nightclubs, um, and they get to be hired as linemen. And, like, mm-hmm. they have a funny scene where, like, they push Keanu Reed, like, the, the, the players that are on strike push Keanu Reeves' car over. And yeah. like they, they come over and back him up and just fucking shoot the guy's Mercedes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's just such a funny movie. And like, I introduced it to my wife and we just watched it one night and she really liked it. It's just a really, it's not the greatest movie in the world, but there's just such a feel good 
aspect to it. And yeah, I still can't believe Keanu Reeves came out and played a fucking like in a sports movie after he did the matrix, but it works. <laughs> He's awesome in it. It's such an awesome movie. I remember yeah. how I saw it. I saw it at the Northfield drive-in in Northfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> and it was the early movie. And then I think like scary movie, I think it was scary movie was the late movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just one of those movies I, I come back to and I, I stop and I watch every, every chance I get every, every time it's on. I'll it's just playing play. on TV. I'll throw it on. Yeah. It's, I know you have it on DVD and you let me borrow it. It's just, it's a feel good. Maybe this should have been my top one, but it's too late to switch it out. But, um, cause my top one is something I had not seen, I think since it came out and I fucking loved it, but, yeah. um, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. It might be on HBO Max. It was on HBO Max for a while, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So the replacements, great football comedy, I must say, and, you know, and it kind of like hits a chord with like, you know, accomplishing something big with the odds stacked against you. It's one of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. I always liked, uh, really appreciated, um, Reese Siphon's, uh, character. I think that's the, yeah, the, the kicker. Name. Yeah. Yeah. He's like this Welsh guy, skinny little dude who fucking, it can kick a ball. The length of the entire football field is like what he, he sold as, you know? So it's just like, you know, and he, he's, you see him come out to the field to kick the ball and he's always smoking a cigarette when he's out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's just, it's a fun movie, but um, yeah. And I love that scene when uh, they all, you know, get into that big bar brawl and, yes. uh, and then afterwards, you know, or in the jail cell singing, I will survive yeah. dancing along. <laughs> it's a great scene. It's like the moment where the team comes together as a team yeah. <laughs> after getting into a bar fight and just yeah. dancing along. <laughs> they got John Madden to be in it. John Madden and Pat Summerall were in it as the announcers, which I thought was cool. I think I just watched it after John Madden passed away. So, yeah. Was, um, all right, let's do it. Give me your top one of the episode, not in general, but of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the, the number one that i watched that i uh, i just watched uh, again to get caught up on it um uh, just watched it like the yesterday morning or something like that um I, it's one I actually saw in theaters too uh it's from 2004 uh cellular never seen it but i I've, I've seen it on your dvd rack every time i've come over and i i never had any desire to see it so <laughs> explain yeah yeah, so this movie it's a uh, it's a movie that came out it was very early like in uh very early in Chris Evans career, you know, he he's the star of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um although he's the second build in the movie uh cuz um it stars uh also stars Kim Basinger and uh Jason Statham, another early film of his where he's he's playing the bad guy. Ooh. Um yeah, and uh so the movie starts, you know, Kim Basinger's character is uh kidnapped from her home um taken and uh you know to this this you know house and uh there's you know she's locked up in a room and um the they had a you know this is a, during the time when uh people had you know landlines still so that's one thing that kind of dates it because uh not many people have those anymore but you know so the room that she was put in they had a, a landline and they you know, coming in and smash the phone. So it's all broken into pieces. And, um, 
you know, they like, so they leave her with just that smashed up phone. And then she, because she's like a teacher, you know, I guess she knows things about stuff. So she, she takes the phone, knows the pieces things, of the phone. Man. Yeah. She takes the pieces of the phone and is like able to make a call, you know, to any, like she's just been type tapping like wires together, trying to get a, you know, a call out and randomly, you know, ends up uh, going to this, you know, random number. Um, and the person that picks it up is, you know, is Chris Evans character. He picks it up on his cell phone, you know, and hears her. And at first, you know, he doesn't believe, you know, that she's been kidnapped and doesn't, you know, just kind of blows it off. Doesn't really, you know, and then he's like, she talks him into at least going to uh, take the phone to the police. So he, he begrudgingly agrees, you know, and then while he's on the phone with her, you know, he overhears, you know, the the people coming into the room threatening her and all that, you know, so he tends to end up believing her because of like how serious this all seems. And so the course of this movie is him trying to help her because, you know, she's been kidnapped for reasons she doesn't know. Um, and they uh, they're going to go like take her son from school and uh, they're going to, you know, um, use the kid to leverage information out of her and you know so he's gonna try to help you know get to the kid first and you know help that out and then like you know and all these different things that you know they're doing throughout the movie that he's trying to like get there first and foil them and you know maybe he does maybe he doesn't all the while having to deal with like like at one point in the movie, he's trying to chase down these guys, follow them to where they're going, and then he realizes that his cell phone's um, battery is about to die, so he has to go to a, a, a you know mobile store and uh, you know buy a charger. And um, this just sounds inconvenient. Like yeah, <laughs> this whole plot. Like yeah. Um, and yeah, because it's like a whole thing where like, you know, cell phones are very, you know, this is very early in like the whole everyone having cell phones, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, just that cell phone store is blowing up and he ends up having to rob the place in order to get that charger and like just all these different things that are going on throughout the movie. It's only like a, a 90 minute movie too. You know, it blows by really quickly, like gets, gets the job done, you know, um, you know, with like everything that it's doing. Uh, there's not really any like wasted space you know probably the only thing that would really like you know date it or hold it back is just the the whole you know the stuff with the cell phones and like I'm not sure if that's how cell phones work you know uh, at one point in the movie he's driving along and like his connection gets crossed with somebody else's connection so then like yeah like I, I don't think that's how that works at all you know like randomly he's on the phone and then somebody else's call intertwines with theirs so they're like, he ends up having to steal that person's phone because it's, I don't know, like for whatever reason, the connection's better there. But um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, like playing fast and loose with how cell phones work, you know, especially when like they show him taking a cell phone video with his old ass Nokia phone that he had. And, uh, mm. you know, the showing like the, the picture quality on this thing is immaculate, you know, like, huh. <laughs> that is not how phones worked back then, but okay. Um, but yeah. And, but you know, the, the suspense of the movie and everything like how that played out is actually, it, it still holds up like the things that, you know, the, the way the things played out and like how, you know, it, it, it's like, um, you know, it kind of puts you in that perspective of like, 
okay, if you got a random call from somebody, like, would you go through all of these different things that, you know, his character is going through to try to help out? Or would you just blow it off as like, yeah, I don't believe you click, you know, or not even answer the phone because you like, you know, we, how many people get calls on their phones and you see the number you're like, I don't recognize that. I'm just not going to answer every day. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> if you don't leave a voicemail, so, then it didn't matter. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's got, uh, you know, like I was saying, it's got Jason Statham in it playing the, uh, playing the bad guy, which, you know, early in his career, like kind of surprising to see considering, you know, you know, you know him now as like this, you know, he's always playing like hero roles and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, and he's you know, he's playing this um this guy that like kidnaps her and he's just, you know, trying to get all the information and he's he's pretty intense in it too. Um but he, he doesn't give a lot, but you know, the what he does give, uh it it it, it was intimidating. Um but one of my favorite roles in the movie is being played by William H. Macy. Um he's he's in it playing this uh this cop that like he's the cop that's there at the station when chris evans comes in with the phone and the first and uh you know so he takes some of the information and then he gets distracted so he, he has to go deal with something and um throughout the day he's starting to see like the news reports of the things that this kid is doing you know and he thought that it was all like he thought that it, everything was fine with that that case you know he thought it was handled but then seeing all this stuff playing out throughout the day, he's like catching on to there's something going on and uh, ends up being like one of the heroes of the movie. And it's kind of funny. He has a a couple of uh, shootouts in it too, where you're just like, you would not expect William H. Macy to be, you know, like hero cop, you know, like, you know, in movies, like he's usually, he's like just, he's not that character, you know, and he's like just this random cop who's like getting ready to retire. He's, you know, yeah, got his wife that uh, they're opening a day spa with. And that's like a running joke with him where he's talking about the stuff that he's going to get for his day spa. And they're, you know, for him and his wife and uh, people keep saying like, Oh, your, your, your booty uh, beauty salon. He has to keep, you know, keep correcting him and like yeah so it's just like he's very like unassuming character to play this like cop that comes in clutch in the end you know <laughs> okay so you say yeah. it still passes yeah I, I do um like i was saying some of the things that it has set up where like that i don't think that's how the technology worked but as far as the emotional like storytelling of you know the movie like it i think that still holds up as far as you know that you know it really uh it really like the the moments where she you know the wife is being threatened and like a lot of the moments in it felt very real you know there's there's this one moment in the uh towards the end of the movie where like the family's all been kidnapped they're all in a vehicle together and you know kim basinger's character sees an opening where she might be able to like strangle one of the kidnappers and get out of there and while that's happening you know the dad yelling to the kid you know look at me son you know like trying to keep him like focused on so he's not just watching some guy getting murdered like shit like that where it's just like i would not expect this from a movie that's just like it it seemed like it was being billed as just a very like popcorn summer movie when it came out you know when i saw it in theaters you know just you know but then it has moments like that where you're just like (sighs) yeah that probably would be how that would happen like 
you're, you know, you only have one shot to try to get out of that alive. And mm. also trying to make sure that the kid doesn't have just crippling trauma for the rest of his life. Like at least somewhat. Yeah. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely an intense movie. That's, you know, worth checking out. Like you said, you haven't seen it before. I, I definitely check it out. Okay. All right. Um, I'll, I'll look into I don't know. It always just struck me as just like a one of those weird, bad, early 2000s, like thriller horror films. But I kind of like yeah. those now. Um, yeah, I mean, you would you might think that if you were like to watch the trailer or something. But like I said, it's, you know, it's a 90 minute movie. You know, it gets everything done, you know, in that 90 minutes that it needs to. Um, and it's, you know, the the storytelling, like the way that they did it and everything. It was just it felt very real while also being very like you know very uh hollywood at the same time all right okay so now i got one for you and this is our final one of the night final one of the day um final one of the episode (laughs) uh so this movie came out and now i didn't see it in theaters uh, this is literally like beginning of the 2000s. This, this, the initial release is January 2nd, 2000. So we are fresh into the new millennium. I don't think I saw this till maybe my mom and I like rented it and we just watched it. And um, it, I think it's rated R, but you know, I could get a oh, PG 13. Uh, it's a comedy crime film uh, called Drowning Mona. And <laughs> I just fucking love this movie so goddamn much. Um, like as I can just give away. Time, there was a, yeah, it seemed like around that time there was a lot of like dark comedies yeah, like that. Th- this is this isn't too dark, but there's just something offbeat and just weird about it because it has to do with a murder, but it's so goddamn funny. Um, yeah. So th- this, I clearly have just given it away if I think this movie still hits or not but I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I believe as I record this and this will air in a couple weeks, um, it's streaming like right now, I think it's on Hulu, Netflix, maybe it's on the Roku channel. If you have a Roku, I think it's on there. Cause that's where I watched it. I just saw yeah. the little ad for it on Roku. And I was like, I haven't seen that movie in so long. And I put it on and oh, God, I, this is just like a perfect middle of the day, Saturday flick to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Drowning Mona is a simple plot. It takes place in like a, a Hudson. It's, it takes place in like New York somewhere. And I, I love movies that say they take place somewhere and you watch and you're like, that's, that's not where they filmed that at all. Like this is supposed to be like, kind of like out like Hudson river Valley, like upstate New York ish. And from someone who's been to both California and New York, I go, well, that's California <laughs> like, completely. <laughs> they do a good job hiding palm trees, but I'm like, that's Northern to central California right there. Um, so it, it's about a, a death in a, in a small town um, of a woman called Mona Dearly. And she was a horrible person. She was an abusive wife, uh, was horrible to her kid, uh, just mouthed off mean to everybody like that she ever came across with. So the fact that she's died, nobody really f- is like sad. She's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but she died in a, her, she was out on a drive in her car and her brakes gave out and 
drove off a cliff into a lake and um pretty much the police realized that her brake line was cut and so someone had it out for her and this is a perfect movie that i love movies about little towns and their problems whether it's a horror movie a comedy a murder mystery like this which is a little bit of both um because there's so many characters in this movie um yeah. let, me, let me run through the cast here danny devito plays uh the the police chief basically um this is probably was he little... the was he direct uh involved in any of the behind the scenes stuff because i feel like he he's done a lot of movies like this too as far as you're directing right. one it doesn't say here but i haven't looked too far into that but i know you're right about that he has done a lot of producing writing and directing before um yeah and you never see it coming. It'll say like directed by Danny DeVito. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it can be oddly dark sometimes too, where you're just like, yeah. oh, I did not expect that. <laughs> and this is one of the last things maybe till like bef- before, like, maybe until like it's always sunny in Philadelphia that I really saw mm-hmm. him in. Um, yep. uh, Bette Midler plays the title role, Mona, and we see her throughout it in flashbacks. Um, mm-hmm. Casey Affleck plays kind of one of the main characters. The guy, she's very tormented, but he's like, she's like, he becomes like a prime suspect. Um, and mm-hmm. he hadn't really, he'd done goodwill hunting, but he hadn't been like a leading man for a while. Cause this is early two thousands. Ben Affleck's kind of big at the time. Um, Nev Campbell is in it as Casey Affleck's, I believe they're getting married. So fiance. And I think she's pregnant with his child. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in this as kind of this small town waitress in the area. She becomes a prime suspect. Uh, William, is it William Fickner or Fitchner? I always forget. He's a character actor. Yeah. Yeah. He plays Mona's uh, husband. Who's just like a cheating asshole. Like he's in, you know, you kind of see how her character is and you kind of don't blame him for not wanting to be around his wife. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And here are some great little small roles. Will Ferrell, while he's still on SNL, is in it, plays the uh, funeral director. Uh, Marcus Thomas, who I don't know if you know the name, but if you you might see his face, you'd recognize him. He plays Mona's son, and I have something to say about him in a minute. Uh, Melissa McCarthy shows up in a small role (laughs) as well. Uh, And then there's just like a long list of um, character actors. Brian Doyle Murray, uh, Bill Murray's brother, who shows up in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. um trace uh tracy uh tracy walter uh just a few na- names you might not know but if you like look them up you'll be like oh yeah that guy from that thing or that girl from that thing um so so basically this movie follows danny devito's investigation of who killed mona and mm-hmm. the top of the show i wanted to say there, there's a scene that like um i'm not gonna preach again that i am a parent now of a little girl um, but there is one of the funniest, most tongue-in-cheek, borderline fucked-up scenes, but that you cannot help but laugh your ass off at because of the delivery of the joke. It is, I, if I get in trouble here, fine. But I'm leaving it in the show notes. You did, you like, you make a call on this because I spit my milk out at it. And one of the first scenes, um, Casey Affleck and Marcus Thomas, they own a landscaping business and. Marcus Thomas's character, Mona's son, is such a fucking idiot. He's just the dumbest, the village idiot, the dumbest guy in town. And one of the first times we see him, he is sitting like on a, a like a tree swing with like a teenage girl. 
and you can tell he's kind of like hey what's up how you doing like and she's kind of just like going along with it like she, she doesn't know and then like casey affleck like honks him like come on let's go we're leaving and he gets in the car and they're driving around and casey affleck goes do you know she's like fucking 13 and then his character goes finally <laughs> what the fuck What'd you say your name was again? Mia Vasala. Oh, that's a nice name. Thanks. So, were you married or something? Maybe. She's 13, man. Yeah, finally. Just waiting for her to be the at fucking, least like team. it's such a fucked up joke, but like his delivery is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. So that's it. That that's all you ever hear. It, it goes nothing further than that. But like, just it's just a commentary on just how dumb this character is. How he he he's just a fucking he's he's the village idiot. Um, but the rest of the movie just goes through the like Danny DeVito checking off the list of who did this. And it just, the movie goes really off the rails. Um, not really off the rails. I shouldn't say off the rails, but it really goes into uh, how really stupid all these people are in this little town and all their problems and how much of a crazy town this is. And I just kind of like movies like this that are just character studies almost. And um, <laughs> And another fun fact I learned about the film, and let me just pull it up real quick here. Where is it? Okay. Everyone in this town is driving these cars called uh, Yugos. Look them up. They're like these old cars from, I think, the 1960s or 70s. And there's like a little factoid at the top of the movie that explains why everyone is driving these cars. And it says, everyone in Verplanac, New York, which is where the film takes place, drives a Yugo. Um, an older Yugo. Uh, since the car hasn't been manufactured since it's since the um, it went out of business, we learned that that town in New York was selected as a test market when the Yugo was being introduced to the United States. But then the company went out of business, so that explains why everyone in this town is stuck with this kind of car. And it's just a little quirk in the story, but you can't help but notice everyone drives these fucking stupid little box cars, and. <laughs> I actually think that's a true thing. I think that's a fact. I looked into it a little bit and that was the first big market in New York that they tested these cars out. And now people just got stuck with them. They didn't know what to do with them. Um, so yeah, anyway, the movie is uh, very funny um, and just a very fun mystery too. Uh, how it uh, comes together. You finding out who did what, um, who killed Mona, um, you know, you think it's Casey Affleck for a while. It might be, it might not, I'm not going to give it away. You think it's Jamie Lee Curtis. There's all these people that have all these motives to kill her because she was such an awful person. Um, and then it, you know, then it just hits who it is with discovering the mystery of it. Uh, yeah. fun comedy, fun crime movie. Uh, I recommend it. It's streaming now. Drowning Mona 2000. Yeah, <laughs> you've seen it. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, by the well, way, I no, recommend I, it. I, I remember, I remember hearing about it and seeing like trailers and st stuff for it when it came out, but I, I never saw it. So I'll, I'll have to go check that out when I don't. 
Yeah, it's I forget what I think it's streaming in one of those places I saw, but it, it's out. It might be on Amazon Prime too, but it's it's there's a it's lot of those early uh there's a lot of those early 2000s comedies where like never really random, you know, watch them and then really catch them one day and just like started noticing all these just all these different people that pop up around, you know, it's, there's so many movies like that, you know, like looking through trying to find like what movies even talk about and it's just like you know then you look at some of these casts and you're like holy shit it's like this person was nobody back then and they just blew up yeah yeah no it's 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 a great little movie it's this is a great era of movies to talk about and i hope we can expand on it anymore so christopher thank you again for telling me what you've been watching um i know you've done this episode multiple times but uh just in case nobody listened the last few times where can uh where can we track you down on the internet uh so yeah i'm i'm uh i posting memes daily yeah yeah pretty much Uh, (laughs) no i uh you know i have my my instagram uh you know it's uh, cranberry carantit and uh um i'm sure you'll link that and uh you know it's i I don't post very often, but when I do, uh, it's usually pictures of my dogs and stuff like that. Uh, um, yeah, uh, pretty much, you know, of the things that I, you would find me on or the places you would find yourself on. Cause you know, we've been working together, you know, trying to get stuff out there. Uh, you know, and obviously, uh, we, you know, try to do, you know, the, uh, the Ryan road company stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I just saw you posted you know the other day we have uh you have a movie that you can't you know just produce that's coming out so that's yeah <laughs> i'd rather uh you know it's not like i have much going on with my social media shit that i <laughs> that i need to promote so. all right you're making me feel like i'm treating you like shit <laughs> no, no no it's not that at all it's just you know the stuff i have to promote are usually the stuff that you have to promote so <laughs> yeah yeah like if i put anything on youtube it's usually random 30 second videos of stuff that i thought was fun in a video game i did or whatever so (laughs) it's not like i not like i'm posting that stuff very often okay so that's enough of the self-deprecating um (laughs) (laughs) we will um all right you know where to find chris and i will leave some stuff in the show notes to that link up with information about the movies we talked about uh as for all of you you know the routine leave a rating leave a review i know none of you do that because i haven't got any ratings and reviews in a while um what the fuck anyway see you guys next week take care Ha <laughs> ha